You are listening to Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Just Riding Along, where I'm Matt McCulley and meeting with Lisa Hudson and Katie Macarelli of Feedback Sports to hear how they are involved not only in the greater world of international cycling, but the local community as well. We have a couple of, or a new product that is launched um, that they can tell us a little bit about, as well as how they have had the fastest bike in the world on the road built by their repair stand and how they're helping children have their bikes work as well. Um, so without further ado, if you ladies wanted to introduce yourselves and let us know how long you've been here, that would be great. Um, okay. Hi, I'm Lisa Hudson and I am one of the owners with my husband of Feedback Sports, which we founded in 2004 and I've been here since then. <laughs> I am Katie Macarelli. I'm in marketing here and I am coming up on a year at Feedback Sports. That is great. A whole year. A whole year. <laughs> so that means that any, any ultimate stand is pre-2004. Any ultimate stand is pre-2008. So we, um, Feedback Sports was started in 2004. Uh, Doug and I started that business um, with one product. It was a scale that Doug designed and patented to weigh bicycles specifically because no one had done that before. Um, <clears throat> we met Ultimate at Interbike at a trade show and Ultimate wanted to distribute our product because it had great synergy with their product line of repair stands. So we partnered with them um, for four years, and in 2008, the owner of Ultimate wanted to sell, so we bought Ultimate, rebranded everything Feedback Sports, and have um, made some minor improvements to existing products, and also um, have a huge line of new products since then, one of which is um, the Omnium Trainer, which we introduced this year. That's, that's good. So. Yeah. Red aluminum or red anodized alloy. Did that come from Ultimate or was that your decision? That came from Ultimate. We actually started with a yellow scale. And then when we partnered with uh, Ultimate, we started making the scales red. And then red red became our color after that. Kind of makes sense. I mean, Pedro's is yellow. Park is blue. Feedback is red. Feedback I mean, is it just yeah. makes it easy when things are, are color coded. I mean, we're... We are just really fancy animals, you know, at the end of the day. So color <laughs> color recognition probably goes a long way. Right. That's why you'll never find a Coke that's not in a red can, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. We are the red guys. Red is the new black. That's right. Uh, it's something like that. Yeah, that's for sure. And a few pieces of red are great, but a ton, man. Yeah. You've seen those bikes. Right. Seven different colors of anodized <laughs> stuff on it. It's never good. Right. It's a pet peeve I was digging up from the past. You guys make all your own stuff, so all your stuff matches, so it doesn't apply to you. But <laughs> we've all seen that person that bought a black bike and they want to put a bunch of red on it, and they have like Hope Hubs and a Chris King headset <laughs> and a different brand chain ring bolts and then like an off-brand seat post collar, and it's all anno red and none of it matches. It becomes right. a bike of many colors. Yeah. It's, it's so sad. <laughs> yeah. It's the saddest thing ever. It's the worst thing ever as well. <laughs> That is the worst thing in the it bike is. industry. It's different I color. I narrowed that down. There's several things, oh, but that is the I worst. I could talk about this for hours. Yeah. Yes. Is yes. That a, Matching ever, is a good thing. Have you ever had a hurdle of matching? 
a hurdle of matching the anodized red. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I think we have at times. Um, mostly it's more with like matching the the logo with the anodized red or that kind of stuff. Matching the reds, trying to get all the red the same. <laughs> Yeah. Different reds from different processes. Yeah. Yes, from different processing. That's that's a good that's a good point. Yes. So before this, I worked in the grand format printing industry, and people couldn't comprehend how, even though we designed it, we printed it, it sat outside for two months. Their vehicle was wrecked. We printed a patch. It doesn't match, and it's like, well, ah, yes. The humidity yeah. was different. <clears throat> right. The Ink's been changed in the printer, and your stuff set outside for even two months. It's all looking a little different by now. So yeah. I definitely understand the the differences. And then you bring in print literature as well, and it just it's a it's a fun time. But yeah. um, so you have a new Omnium. What do you is this a trainer? Is that it's the, called the Omnium Portable Trainer? Omnium Portable Trainer. Okay, I'm actually looking it up in the catalog. I'm quite proud of the catalog. So far, there are no spelling errors. <laughs> we were really, we were really excited about that. Usually, there's one little thing that we can catch, but uh, but this year it was excited. It was exciting. We got it right out before uh, Eurobike, which yeah. was when we introduced it um, formally, and then Interbike was when we definitely, you know, had a huge amount of traffic here within the states. So yes, it is our portable trainer. And what does it weigh? Thirteen point eight pounds. Which is probably, I mean, that's not different from like a fluid trainer, really, is it? Uh, I'd say it's still lighter. I think it's lighter. I think most of them are somewhere 20 to 30. Yeah. Okay. Not heavier, though. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, no. no, no so no, even no. though it has a much larger footprint on the ground, like if you think about like the space that it, it the square footage <clears throat> it would occupy when it was set up. Right. It, you, I guess you would imagine it would weigh a lot, but then you think about a, a fluid trainer and it's, it's filled with fluid, which is pretty heavy and it's mm-hmm. all made out of uh, cast stuff and steel, which is again, all heavy stuff. Heavy. Yeah. Yeah. This people are amazed. We took this to, we took uh, one of the prototypes to the pro challenge and um, to one of the teams that we work with drop and had Lachlan Norris kind of test it out. We were using that for photos for the catalog and things like that. And he, the mechanics from drop and, and he himself we're just amazed at how light it is. And that's the first thing most people, when we hand it over to them, you know, when you expect to, you see somebody that's expecting something heavy and then you, then they carry it. That's the, that's the reaction you typically get. Um, and as far as the footprint, what's cool about this is it really does fold up to a tiny little baby. I mean, it's not, it's not big. So the bulkiness that you usually have when you travel to a race or from a mechanic standpoint, they were excited to look at it and see how tiny of a bag it fit in. They're like, this will make our lives so much easier. And, um, and for those of you that can't see because you're not here live, like when she said, like a baby, she like acted as if she was swaddling the it's portable the train. It's the size of a baby when you fold it up. And, and actually, I just took our vet to the, our cat to the vet, and it weighs less than our cat. <laughs> so I was kind of excited about that when our cat was on the scale. So that's about the size of what it is. It's a large chubby cat <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you that again aren't looking at the catalog it'll probably fold up and fit in the back floorboard of your car oh yeah absolutely you can actually is, it's small enough to um i mean it's even smaller than most carry-on sizes but it's small enough to carry on i mean you can just put the bag over your shoulder and go but yeah. would it be allowed as a carry-on item yeah they actually have carried it on and it is allowed 
I know that a long time ago, DC Rainmaker tried to carry on a stages power meter. No go. Right. Hand tool over. They they classified his as hand tool over eight inches long and no go on carry. Yeah, no, we we actually took it on the plane with us um, to Eurobike in Germany, and it was not an issue. Yeah, yeah. So lightweight, um, easy to set up. We had it at a local race here over the weekend. A few local races, actually, the Amy D race in Primal Palooza. And, you know, even the, the little juniors that were coming over to the tent, they're able to just pull they're it out, putting their, own bikes putting their bikes on it. <laughs> I mean, it's it's really simple, very sturdy for those situations. I mean, it's got the same technology that you see from all of our work stands. So regardless of the terrain, um, you know, concrete, grass at Cross Vegas, that was a great example. Um, we had, you know, Katie Compton warming up on one. Our team was warming up on it. We'd just taken extras for all the pro riders if they wanted to test it out that day. And on bumpy grass and terrain, it's sturdy. There's no need for, I don't know, a mat, or- a mat yeah, a cardboard box, those kinds of things that you see at races. This is very easy to set up, quick and solid. And is the front end adjustable for, as it like, you could set it up level, you could set it up higher than level? Almost like a, a, a riser block under a regular um, trainer. You don't necessarily need a riser block because we have designed it so that it's uh, adjustable for tire sizes. So if you want to put your mountain bike on there, you move um, an adjustment down at the front for your 26-inch mountain bike wheel. Or if you want to put a 29er on there, you move the fork mount adjustment up on the um, triangle at the front. So you don't actually need to raise or lower it. But you get that same built-in functionality. It's built in. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So you don't have to bring anything. You know, sometimes you see people with that, with the plastic thing, mm-hmm. and then they put telephone books underneath it or whatever to yeah. raise it up. You don't have to do that here because it's already, the adjustability is built into the stand. Right. So it's not only where a normal trainer, you would need a trainer and a riser block, or you would need to find a curb to put your front wheel on or right. something. Right. This, it's all built in. And if you wanted to set it up, over level as if you were going uphill it's all right there built in yeah yeah, yeah you could just yep because i think that some of the climber blocks are made like you stack two of them together and it's like going uphill and mm-hmm. that's then you have two mm-hmm. and you bought more stuff more yeah stuff. exactly well and then just the simple just like the the best part of this for me is not having to take my rear wheel off and not having to worry about a race wheel that i I just am, maybe I'm just too lazy, but I never have done that at race because it's just, I don't want to have to deal with it. So that's the nice thing too, is you just pop it on and then you really are ready to go, you know, right to the start line within seconds of just putting your front wheel back on. And it's not like you're, well, okay. Front wheel question. So Katie Compton used it. She's riding the boom. It's through axle. How Mm -hmm. does it do? What is our through axle compatibility here? It's through axle through axle compatible for twelve and fifteen millimeter through axles. By one hundred. By one hundred and by one hundred and ten. And again, that's all built in. And quick release. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I Done. know. Drop mic. <laughs> you guys, he Bam. just dropped the mic for anybody <laughs> that can't see. The mic has been dropped. Because <laughs> I know that the 12 millimeter is at this point vaporware. You know, it yes. it's there, but it doesn't exist. Like right. Indy's coming out with a fork. Everyone's drooling over it because it's 12 mm-hmm. millimeter, so it's lighter. It's got giant clearance. And then you look at something like this, and somebody's like, oh, but it doesn't. And you're like, <laughs> 
we read by groomer too, guys. Yeah. We know what's coming. Like right. we're not dumb. Yeah, and that is with with all our products. We you know people always ask, oh, does it? and it was really neat when we launched this. People would ask just a barrage on Twitter. Does it do this? Does it do this? And we always try to make our products with that in mind. What is coming next? And to to be able to adapt with with what does come down the line. Mm-hmm. No matter how silly it gets, we are <laughs> we are ready ready for it. But this this people are excited about because it just pops right out. You can flip it. You'll have to see when you when you come. Uh, you'll get to try one today. But it is really neat to just see the how the compatibility is built right in, like our sprint stand. And the sprint stand is like the more complicated, like wheel off stand, right? Yeah, it's okay. the fork mounted okay. repair stand. You can do it rear mounted too. You can. Um, yeah. yeah, most people would prefer just to take the front wheel off. <laughs> well, yeah. and if you take the rear wheel off, what are you working on? <laughs> I, right, you could get but some people creative. do that to wash their bike. Apparently, I don't know, but it's it's a fork mounted stand essentially, and so. it's that's that's the stand that uh, Sagan's bike was built on the Sprint. So again, that's that's kind of that same mentality that we use. Um, the top mechanics you know, in the world are enjoying our products and actively use them. And if you want to see the sprint in use, check out Tinkoff Saxo's YouTube page. They have a, just a barrage of beautiful videos that show just that, um, spinning it around completely in action with the fork mount. So the, the real question is, or the, for those of you that have been living under a rock, Peter Sagan won the uh, road, road race world championships in Richmond, Virginia last weekend. No, I guess it was now like 10 days ago. Right, yeah. yeah. So two weekends ago. And this isn't published today, so it doesn't matter. Road Worlds, it only happened once this year. Um, <laughs> That's right. The one that happened this year in 2015, uh, he launched like the most, um, I guess you could say, I don't want to say ridiculous, but just like. It was, it was insane. It was, it was panastastic. He's like, I'm just yeah. going, like, all right, I'm I got, it. I'm going to skate. I got to go. Like, yeah. and he just went and, uh, it was heart wrenching for me. I was sitting at home and I was watching and I was watching and at 0.8k to go, my feed crashed and I was just like, <laughs> and I sat there for a second and it didn't, it didn't re, like sometimes it had been like falling out and then rebuffering and like catching back up and I like refreshed. <laughs> And it didn't like, I refreshed the page and it didn't work. And I was like, oh, oh. and I like refreshed the page and it didn't work. And I was like, all right, a K to go only takes a minute. It's been like two minutes. So I went over to my Twitter tab on my, my like browser and I like went to the top of that. And I was like, Sagan. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. He stayed away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cause like they were back there and I didn't yeah. know if they were coming or not. Yeah. And I was like, and then it crashed and I was like, <gasps> yeah. <laughs> but so he won. Um, and he has since got the greatest, uh, world championship kit, which is all white because at this point you're the champion. You're the fastest person on the road and you can wear whatever you want to. Right. Past Labor Day, it's fine. He gets his choice. <laughs> right. It's, it's really his prerogative. I think we need to be more worried about his sunglasses than anything else. <laughs> oh, they're, they're pretty, uh, they're loud as well. But um, he got a bike that's not white, which I think a lot of people are probably happy about because white bikes with white kits with white helmets. It's we a lot of white. 
we run into what we were talking about earlier, all your whites stop matching. <laughs> you know, from a mechanic standpoint, I know they keep those whites clean, but there's a difference between clean and white white clean. Like, there's a there's about an hour difference there. So um But yeah, there was some stuff on Twitter where his new bike was assembled and in the background is guess what? Anodized red. Yeah. So um, you guys are sponsoring old, old Tinkerbell this year, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, Tika Saxo has been a, a great team to work with. Uh, their mechanics are really accessible, uh, super friendly. You know, when we go to these events, they're always welcome us with wide arms and it's phenomenal to just be in the pits with them and watch them. First of all, I'm always really impressed with how fast they wash these bikes all of their bikes very quickly. Um, but they're just a really good group of guys and a, a solid team. Uh, Doug and Lisa got to go out for the Tour de France. Uh, we have a couple great pictures of uh, Lisa and Peter. Peter. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, it's, it's Made a the whole trip worth it. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they are a great team and they, they really show off our products well. Um, and, and in a way that just really shows the, the workability, all the functions you know, we used to kind of say work stands and we're moving more into saying wash and work stands and they're perfect example of all the different things that you can do, you know, from all the way down from, from the pros, but all the way down to just someone in their garage. Um, when we say, well, here's what the stand does and what you could do with it. Uh, it's, it's fun to show people and get the reaction when they see this kind of thing in the pits. And the other thing, I had a customer the other day. He wanted to buy one of the more affordable ones. I guess it's the Elite. Is that right? No, or the... The Pro Elite and the Sprint are actually similarly priced. The Pro yeah. Elite um, is... I would a, say it was the Ultra Lighter. Yeah, the probably the Ultra Lighter, the Classic. Um, the Pro Elite is one with the Quick Release. Um, and then the Ultra Light and the Classic have the Slide. Yeah, so he, he was buying an ultralight, and he also wanted to get one of the little wheel stands, like where you just oh. slide your bike in. He's like, you yeah. know, I just want to get that for washing my bike so I don't have to get this wet. And I'm like, dude, it's all aluminum. Like, <laughs> right, yes. Yeah, good point. I was yeah. like, and yeah, he wanted to get a rack. And I'm like, no, no, you need to, like, just use this. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, we're number one, you're going to use this like once a week max. I was like, but also we're in Colorado. So anything you get wet is going to dry. Yeah, you know? it, it'll be fine. But yeah. So I would have answered that question. Yes, you do need a rack when you're parking your bike, but you also need the ultralight when you're washing it because it will do okay. Well, it is funny that most, a lot of people that on, on the mechanic side or in bike shops, um, you know, if they're familiar on that side of things, a lot of people don't realize that we make home storage as well. Um, or they'll see, you know, many bike shops use our racks for their display, um, the velo hinges, the 2Ds, things that hang, hang bikes on the wall, but people sometimes don't make the connection that you can actually bring that home into your house and, and your garage and alleviate some space in your own home. But yeah, that's true. Here in Colorado, our uh, our aluminum stands, they do just fine. In fact, if you want to see a really good one, a local bike shop here in Golden uh, Golden Bike Shop, they have one of our stands that they've probably had what out front it? every day for years. And it is faded to a, a lovely kind of softer red, but it's it's been well-loved. <laughs> so that's a good one. I always honk when I go by. Well, and usually I'm riding my bike, so I make a pretend honk. Beep, beep. Hey, guys. That's that's funny. The the pretend honk. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've been known to honk at cars on my bike. <laughs> do you do the extended arm, like where you feel, you pretend like you're really laying on the horn? No, or is it just a little quick beep? No, um, <laughs> it's the person that buzz me 
to stop in front of me at the red light. Right. Or to turn. Why not? Why not turn right in front of me? Well, then I pull up behind them at the red light, and the light turns green, and they're still holding their phone up looking at it. So I start screaming, beep, 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 beep. Go. Go. I thought you were in a hurry. We're all waiting on you. It's a real it's a real surprise someone hasn't just kicked the ever-living shit out of me yet. So... Because everyone's seen pictures of me. I'm not the biggest boy on the planet. So, uh, it wouldn't take much to turn me into a pretzel. So, Oh, man. But, yeah, that's that's definitely a, a real thing. The beat beat. So. But, yeah, so the moral of this is the stands last for a really long time outside. I think uh, previous experience I've had with a different brand is it was, it was aluminum. And the only thing that failed after um, a very long time in the Memphis humidity and being washing like washing bikes outside was one of the pieces of hardware rusted. Yeah. yeah. And it kind of fell out and I went to the hardware store and fixed it for a quarter. You know, it's yeah, like, right. Oh, Easy. this steel bolt that's three years old. That's been wet a million hours is rusting. Surprise, surprise. You right. Know, so. Right. Well, and that's one of the best things for us about having these relationships with pro teams is we get to see an intense amount of beating that our, that our, you know, stands and products go through in a season or two seasons or three seasons and uh, we get great feedback, but usually the feedback is all the other mechanics want this one. Can we have more? So it's, it's a good relationship to have and, and something we can tell people too, you know, the average person, like there's no way you're going to use this as much as a pro team would use it, but it will still last forever. Right. You won't use it up. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It won't, it won't wear out. And speaking of things being used up and worn out, <laughs> High school kids. Yeah. <laughs> People that have a need for large amounts of mechanical support. Uh, it's something that you guys, well, I've, everyone's listened to the episode where I talked about it, but I work the Colorado High School League's uh, mountain bike race in Leadville, and all the support stuff and parts was supplied by SRAM. All the equipment was provided by feedback. So we had A-frames sitting all around to use. There was some down at the restrooms. There was some in front of register, like maybe the, just the Nika tent, like where you would just stop to do work. There was four stands down by me. There was one hanging out by the medical stand. And then I had a, I guess that would be the pro elite stand or no. What is it called? The one with the quick, quick release? Yes. Yeah, yes. That's probably. Really, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then I had one of those to use under the, the tent. Um, and I put at least three or four bikes in it the whole yeah. weekend. So yeah, three, probably <laughs> three or four an hour. Yeah. Every yeah. hour for <laughs> the whole weekend. Oh, it was, it was uh, pretty intense. So what made you or y'all or feedback in general want to become involved with the high school league here in the state. I mean, I guess first question is, is it a homegrown like local desire or is it, it just makes sense because we're here. Y'all are here. I want to help. Let's make something happen. Like how did this come to be? I would say it's a little bit of both. So we, um, when the, when NICA was formed and then the Colorado high school cycling league was formed, um, our friend, um, and racer, Foe, friend and foe. <laughs> Kate Rao was heading up the charge um, and approached us about sponsorship. And Doug and I, as mountain bike racers ourselves, were like, oh, my God, this is so cool. If we had had yeah. something like this when we were in high school, we would have totally been on board. And, yes, we want to support it. Um, so, yeah, so we've kind of been with NICA and the High School Cycling League since it started. 
um, <clears throat> with with sponsorship. Uh, every time a new team is created in a high school, we send them a feedback package. Um, I think we send them an A-frame and a Pro Elite stand and a truing stand. Um, and then we um, support the teams additionally with um, if they want to order more product, we give them a, a NICA discounted rate. Yeah, for um, parents, want, volunteers, for parents, their, however coaches, they want to work everybody. it. Um, and then uh, we also uh, kind of support it on a personal level. I've been helping um, coach the uh, Golden High School team for three or four years now, uh, mostly as just a ride leader. And then I volunteered, um, as you did, at several of the races before, which is it's just super, super cool to see kids on bikes um, and like with the high school, Golden High School, which I help with, I think when we first started the team, there might have been 12 or 13 kids, and there's over 40 now. And it's just really, really cool to see kids finding a sport that they love that may not, hasn't been traditionally offered in high school. Something that allows them to do what they want to do, but also be a part of the school athletic program. Exactly, yeah. When the school as a whole validates it then that allows the student body to validate it more i mean kids are terrible little beasts so if if the <laughs> if you point. if you want to be a bike racer and your school doesn't necessarily approve of it or sponsor it or endorse it it's really easy for you to be the bike racer kid but when there's the high school mountain bike team and you're on the team it at the very least flips it over to acceptable, if not cool, because yeah, like absolutely. we're jumping stuff. Like yeah. you're playing football like over there. <laughs> right. We're racing in Leadville. We're racing in Eagle. Like we're going to like cool places. We're doing, you know, cool things. And I don't want to say that it's better, no. but it's definitely it gives it again some validity and some some sticking power of like, well, you know, like the school thinks it's okay. So if you don't think it's okay, you're just a, well, that, that kid's just a tool bag anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, no, it, it definitely, is, it's cool to have the school and it takes it from a fringe and, to yeah. a, to a, to a real sport, which is obviously yeah. what it is. And you know, like a lot of kids, we, we started a <clears throat> program with NICA, uh, last right around Sea Otter with the spring leagues and the fall leagues. It's called NICA dream team. Um, and it's with another great local company, Primal, another Colorado company, Optic Nerve, and a company out of Utah, Athletic Events Play. And basically the, the NICA teams, any team in the league can submit a video of how they embody the NICA core principles. And it was so cool to see what came from these kids um, in the spring. And then our most recent announcement for winter was at uh, Interbike. But we were able to get a few of the kids to come out to Interbike, actually, from the winning team in Arizona. And it was just amazing to hear what the kids had to say. You know, there was one boy that said, you know, one of the questions that the crowd had was, how is how has this team changed your life or what kind of impact has it had on you? And he said, you know, about a year ago or two years ago when I started this, I was probably 100 pounds heavier. Um, you know, I didn't really have a place to fit in. And now I'm almost on the podium pretty much every weekend. And he said, you know, and I, I definitely got my family fitter. So all these kind of triple trickle up effects of fitness and getting kids to stick with a lifelong sport. You know, every kid that was there said, oh, I'm definitely going to pursue this past high school. Um, yeah, and it's great. My dad rides with me now and we work on bikes together. It's just one more way that um, kids can kind of get excited about it, but kind of teach the adults a thing or two, I think, as well. You know, and he mentioned the coaches is huge. The coaches and the volunteers um, in our communities 
really do rally. You know, he said, I, I wouldn't have stuck with it had it not been for the coaches that they pretty much had to trade off to ride with me every week, you know, the last person. And they never, never made me feel bad about it. And all my team rallies. And now when I go to school with, you know, chain marks on my legs and bruises and everybody's like, oh, awesome. Way to go. Tell me about your race. So yeah. It's, you know, for kids of all levels and all abilities, which is exactly what, what you hope a high school team would be. Well, it's funny great. you mention that because the kid, the high school, the golden high school kids like to, uh, they don't like to wash off their number on their leg oh, after nice. the race because they want everyone at school to see it. And then everyone's <laughs> like, oh, you raced this weekend. How did it go? <laughs> well, and it's so they like their, They like to preserve their calf marks. Right, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, locally, we see the, those kids out on the trail all the time. And, and my husband and I, we both have two middle schoolers. And for them, our girls, to see a crew of 40 kids rolling by on bikes, I mean, that's just something we never saw growing up. And, right. and I think that's what most adults say, Oh, if we had just had this in high school. And I, so it's a definite easy buy-in to, to want to help out and want to be a part of it because we all kind of wish we had that as high schoolers. Right. You don't see, you don't see this type of backwards thing where the indoor soccer league adults are going and helping with the youth soccer league adults. You know, it's, I think it, it, that speaks to how cycling and even I think I would say off-road riding, maybe a little more, um, is is more of a camaraderie. Like let's, like because if you road race and you're last, that just sucks. Right. But, yeah. I mean, there's no nice way to put it. Like it sucks <laughs> to be off the back in a road race. But, yeah, unless it's a crit, you can really tell that. <laughs> but for the kids that you know, they get negative points for their team if they don't finish. So. When I was working the event, kids would come in, they had to finish. Yeah. And I'd be like, hey, jump something new this lap. You know, like yeah. slow, like take it easy. Don't kill yourself. Like you're already five minutes down. Just go jump something new. Have fun. Yeah. Ride some wheelies. And like you, that's the thing. And if you do a 50 mile mountain bike race and you have a bad day, you just go slower and you can start jumping stuff. Like if you thought you'd be in the top 20 and suddenly you've had two flats and you're in the back where there's people walking uphill in your way, like, yada, yeah, like, whatever, just jump some more stuff. Right, Whereas, like, you're in a road still race, out there, and it's beautiful, and everybody's cheering you on still, and, yeah. Exactly, like, it's just more fun, and yeah. I, I think the way that the adults in the cycling world are helping with, with this high school's age group, if nothing else, we're helping show them how to be not just good riders, but in a way, good people, because if you go out there and you're, polite to them and show them respect and you give them a little life lesson of like, here's a stranger that's just mm -hmm. being nice and mm -hmm. helping me have a good time. Absolutely. And hopefully that trickles through and through because like when, when I'm 50, they're going to be the people that are like, I don't know how much younger than me are they? They're going to be like, <laughs> well, I guess when I'm 80, they're going to be like <laughs> them and their kids are going to be the ones that are like in charge. Yeah. And, and yeah. Me, we just have such a good opportunity to do something that's so much different than staring at that little screen in their hand. But it's a, yes. it's a be outside, be in the moment, be in nature and helping one another yeah. have fun. Yeah. And, and like I said, like working through a mechanical, those are all awesome lessons for kids mm -hmm. to have. And, you know, if you think about all those, all those lessons, if we'd had those in high school and, and now even trickling down to middle school, a lot of these teams, you know, if it's a K through 12 school or if it's, it's, they have older brothers and sisters, it's getting those young kids, younger siblings out as well and excited about it too. So it is a really, 
amazing program on many, many levels that we are really happy to be a part of. Yeah, I know at the race I had a kid that couldn't get his tire off. It had tubes in it, but it was a tubeless rim, and he couldn't get his tire to unseat to change his flat. And another kid walked up right after him and just needed help changing like a regular flat. And I was like, well, can you change flats usually? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, hang his bike on the A-frame, and you help him change his flat. I'm going to change your flat. And, you know, nice. if yeah. we were playing football right. and someone didn't have right. shoelaces yeah, for, for whatever reason— <laughs> A kid wouldn't spend 10 minutes trying to help find shoelaces for someone from the opposing team. Yeah. We're here. I they went to work on this kid's it. bike, like on Jimmy's bike, and Jimmy helped Joe change Joe's flat because Joe just didn't know about changing flats. And he was talking with him and, like, yeah. helping him through it. And it's yeah. just, it's really neat. Yeah. It's really good stuff. So, well, yeah. And at the Winter Park race, actually, where, where we met, um, there, one of the nicest participants that was out there was a, was a high school, Colorado high school mountain bike kid from, I think, Highlands Ranch. Right. He was so polite. Like, you can just see that these lessons are instilled. Just trail etiquette, trail maintenance, all the different things that they are doing with the kids is definitely worth, worth your time. So if you haven't been to a NICA race, I urge you to get out there. If you, um, they need volunteers all the time and it's a really fun, honestly, a fun way to volunteer. And plus you get to ride your bike out yeah. in the mountains. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they fed me lunch. Yeah. Like, and you might get lunch. <laughs> you might get lunch. Yeah. Well, is there anything else new, exciting that you guys want to talk about? Anything? I know. Uh, no. No, nothing new. Nothing at all. We're, we're all kind of smirking. You can't see us over the microphone. We, we do have some exciting things coming up, but that's all we can say. We can't say anyth- anything more. Do you think we could have a follow-up next year? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so 2016, we can absolutely. revisit this yes, maybe? Yeah. We will revisit this. Yeah. yeah, for sure. But yes, please uh, check out the Omnium. You can you can find it on our website. You can see it definitely at a lot of the local races. Um we will have one of our uh, racers actually out at Charm City at Cross this weekend. Caitlin Vestal will be will be taking it around racing there. Um, but yeah, any local Colorado cross race, you'll be able to kind of check it out, and we will get you on one before you before you leave for sure today. Yeah, great. Well, yeah. thank you all very much for your time, and we will talk to you again next year, I guess. Yeah, you got That's it. Good. Thank you.